and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine, and I'm here today with Spike Humor. How are you doing, Spike? I'm doing great, J.W. What about you, buddy? I am doing wonderful. Thanks for asking. I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, it's been a while since we've been able to speak, and uh, I know you've been really busy. Um, for everybody who doesn't know Spike, and I don't know who that would be, <laughs> uh, Spike is uh, a featured speaker at seminars and business acceleration workshops throughout North America and Asia, uh, Australia and Europe. Uh, you've shared the stage with uh, platforms uh, with luminaries such as uh, Tony Blair, Jay Abraham, Chet Holmes, uh, the late Stephen, Stephen Covey, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, Harv Ecker, Laurel Langemeyer, Robert Allen, Rich Shefflin, Darren Stevens, and many, many, many others. Um, you're applauded for your straightforward, to-the-heart-of-the-matter kind of message, um, you, I know you worked with Jay Abraham for many years, and uh, you have uh, you're an author. I think last time we spoke, you were just uh, just getting ready to release a, a, a cup, you know, a book, the Ten Day uh, Turnaround. Uh, but you've also written two books with uh, Darren. Um, well, one with uh, is it Darren Darren Stevens, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, ten Day Turnaround: uh, How to Survive, mm-hmm. uh, How to Transform Your Business Virtually Overnight. And millionaires and billionaires. Um, anyway, I'm so happy to have you on today, and uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, business turnaround and about your books. So, uh, oh, well, thank you. Um, first, you are you're, you you do programs. I think mainly you're doing a lot of programs in Asia right now. Is that correct? Yeah, I am, J.W. I mean, I've been doing uh, a fair number of programs in China, uh, Japan, and and really uh, places like Singapore, Malaysia, Um, and my focus primarily has been uh, in developing programs uh, for those markets for the last 18 months. Yeah, so um, hopefully hopefully we'll see you back in the the U.S. doing some programs soon. Your 10-day business turnaround program is just an incredible program. I know you haven't you you were doing it for quite a while and you've kind of slowed down on that, but uh it was uh I really liked that it was uh two weekends with the work days in between. Uh so they'd come in for a weekend and go do some homework and apply some of the techniques that they learned and strategies and then come back and I think that's just genius because most times you go into a 3-day seminar and uh you know and and you're done. <laughs> uh, and I like that you get to apply some of the stuff that you've learned and then come back and ask questions about things that worked and didn't work and uh, and, and really uh, finish off. I think that's kind of genius. Oh, well, thank you, J.W. I mean, it really emanated from the fact that I think a lot of times when people go to programs, they come with great intention, they come with great expectation and, and really great hopes. Uh, but the bottom line is, I mean, we go to a program, we come back, and we kind of get slapped around by the, the real world and the obligations of running a business and, and uh, you know, employees, marketing, sales, and all the aspects that go into running a successful business, and we kind of revert back to the same habits. So the reason why we put the back end of the program on there really was to make sure that, number one, there was accountability, but also there, there was a structure for feedback uh, and input for the results that people got. And it really 
um, not only had great results and great impact on the people that came to the program, uh, it really allowed us to gather feedback in terms of what was working well, what wasn't, what wasn't working well, and really to make adjustments to the program so that it was much more effective and scalable over time. Right. And talking about, uh, you know, the 10-day turnaround uh, seminar you gave, I know you don't do that as, as often, and I know you don't have any planned out as far as I know, um, but the good news is that you have the book. Mm -hmm. uh, 10-day turnaround, how to transform your business virtually overnight. And you know what I like about you, Spike, is that, you know, most of the people I talk about when they talk, you know, that I interview, when they talk about business turnaround, they're usually speaking mainly about marketing. Mm -hmm. And I know that you, of course, employ marketing in your efforts, uh, but you take a business from, uh, from blade of grass, I mean, starting from the bottom up and uh, transform every piece of that business. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, absolutely, Jude. I mean, and, and it's really a, a great point. And I think, you know, marketing is one of the great leverage points um, that you can have in a business. If you're effective at marketing, um, you can generate new cash, you can generate new clients, and, and really just um, be able to do things that perhaps you wouldn't be able to do in business if you're not an effective marketer. But the real challenge, I think, for a lot of businesses, JW, is not just about getting more clients. It's about how to gain more profit. Uh, you know, because after all, I mean, that's really the, the purpose in existence, the purpose uh, for business uh, being in existence. And, and I think one of the challenges that people have sometimes is that if they only focus on one aspect of business, uh, they can cause challenges in other areas. You know, it's the law of unintended consequences. You go out, uh, you create better marketing platforms, and all of a sudden you have a great influx of, of new clients, and perhaps you're not uh, in a position to support those clients either from a capacity standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, or from a sustainability standpoint. So when I created the 10-day turnaround program, it really was not just about marketing or not even just uh, about working with businesses that were struggling. It was about taking the business back to the very, very beginning and really kind of examining the, the reason why people got into business in the first place and really kind of challenging the assumptions that they've had over time to make sure that they, number one, were still valid, and number two, that they were still effective for the business so that in, regardless of the economy or the, the, uh, the environment that the business was operating in, that it was still valid and still viable uh, in the economy and in, in the environment they're working in today. Right, what, and what structures do you guys, do you find that you mainly have to, you know, for most businesses, where, where are the big struggles? Well, you know, I think, I think a lot of times, uh, JW, it's because, um, you know, we, we start off with a base set of assumptions when we get into business, and then sometimes what happens is that things change, and we don't necessarily adapt or adjust as quickly, as rapidly as we should. You know, it's right. one of those things that... Um, you know, businesses generally don't get into trouble overnight. They get into trouble over time. And what happens is that we start to drift. You know, it could be that we drift on our purpose, we drift on our focus, we drift on our approach, our approach to marketing and sales and management and leaderships and all, and all those types of things. So what happens is that after, after a while we get off course. So the 10-day turnaround was really designed to help people kind of go back to the very, very beginning and examine not only the assumptions but also the, the infrastructure and the, and the approaches that they were taking to business so that they really could say, you know what, if I was starting my business today, how would I begin? Uh, would I have the same people? Would I have the same clients? Would I have the same products and services? And if the answer is yes, how can I make sure that those things are still, you know, still valid for the environment that I'm working in today? And in some cases, you know, there may be a leverage point like marketing, as you mentioned, but in some cases it could be leadership. It could be financial management. It could be performance management. And if we don't have the systems and structures in place to allow us to know if we're on track or if we're off track, in many cases we can get, you know, into trouble and not even realize that we're in trouble until it's too late. And one of the things that you know, I've done early in my career at JW was that 
I used to work with businesses that were in trouble. And I have yet to find a business short of natural disaster or government intervention or something like that. They got into business or they got into trouble overnight. So what happens is they got off course over time. So we would take the business back to the very, very beginning. But also when a business is in trouble, you know, we really had to make quick impact, high leverage changes in the business so that we could see progress and we could see changes in performance right away. Because in many cases, if a business was in trouble, they might have only had a 60-day or 90-day operating horizon. So we'd take it back to the very, very beginning. We would lay out some new strategies, come up with some action plans that we could start to implement right away, but most importantly, make sure that we had good good uh, systems for measurement and management and performance assessment to make sure that we were really making the right amount of progress and we were making the progress in the right areas. Yeah, and, that, and that's key. I'm glad you brought that up because um, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Is that right? Absolutely. When we're talking about, uh, you know, going back to, you know, uh, the beginning of your business uh, strategy and everything, um, you know, you talked about leadership. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they sit in the leadership chair. They call themselves the leader. They put on the leader pin, and uh, they have a group underneath them and that they're supposed to lead. Um Talk to me about leadership. It's, it's really not about uh, beating people up and, 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 and yelling at them and, and forcing them to do stuff. Uh, leadership is really about relationships, as I see it. Is, is, do you see it the same way? Yeah, I sure do, J.W. I mean, I think one of the challenges that, is that for, for a lot of people in positions of authority, whether they be the business owner or the CEO or a supervisor or manager, is that they assume that leadership is the same as authority. In some cases, it can be, but it's not necessarily the same. You know, I think as a leader, rather than trying to get people to comply, you want people to be inspired to take action on their own and to make sure that their values and the actions that they take are aligned with what it is that they not only want to do personally, but also what's going to serve the organization best. And I think sometimes the, the, the best leaders aren't necessarily people in positions of authority. And, and leadership can be negative or positive on an impact level. Uh, in many cases, people can be can be led by the wrong people. They can be led by their peers. They can be led by somebody who's disrupting the workplace. They can be led by somebody who has uh, old habits or old perspectives. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that leadership is effective. But I think one of the great challenges, as I said, is that sometimes people assume that because they have the position of authority, that people are going to just follow in and comply. Now, they may uh, on a outward basis, but in some cases on an inward basis, they may be almost sabotaging the business because uh, not because of uh, ill intent, but just because they're not uh, inspired, they're not motivated, that they don't feel valued, uh, or they don't feel compelled to do something that is in the best interest of the company because it may be in in contrast or in conflict with something that's important to them. Right, and I'm glad you said that because one of the issues that I always tend to see uh, is, you know, uh, micromanagement by the leaders of the organization uh, and not utilizing um, the talent around them. Do you find that to be an issue? Well, for a lot of businesses, it really is, J.W., and I think, you know, sometimes when businesses are in trouble, um, the first thing that we want to do is is uh, be the person who um, uh, directs all the actions and all the activities, and in some cases that's needed. But, uh, you know, for many businesses, whether they're in trouble or whether they're just looking to go to the next level, it really is about taking advantage uh, on a, in an ethical way of all the resources that are around you, and that includes the people and the talents and their perspectives and ideas and, and, and the things that they can do in many cases better than we can as a CEO or as a business owner uh, or as a manager and a supervisor. And I think one of the great aspects of, of leadership and one of the great opportunities for, in leadership is to be able to put people in the position of highest and best use uh, in terms of what, what things can they do that are going to have the biggest impact on the business? What things can they do that they're going to be most passionate about? What are the things that they can do 
that they're best at so that they can feel not only highly uh, valued and highly utilized, but also they can feel like they're having an impact on the organization. And, and through that impact on the organization, they can have an impact on their life. Right. You know, and, uh, and I love that because um, I think it's very easy for um, somebody to find what's wrong with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. it's much harder to find the brilliance in somebody, can you, and, and, and especially, and then to utilize it. Um, mm-hmm. So can you give us any tips on, if, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a leader in my organization, can you give me some tips on how I look for that brilliance, how I find that brilliance, maybe how I utilize it? How, how can I let go of control without uh, feeling like I'm losing my company? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, another brilliant question, J.W. Yeah, you know, I think there are a couple aspects. Um, you know, one is is that um, if if we recognize that that uh, we we um, by ourselves uh, can't accomplish, you know, in many cases or in most cases, what what needs to be done. Therefore, you know, by necessity, we have to be able to leverage uh, the time and the talent and the effort and energy of, of people around us. So, I think the first important, you know, first and, and most importantly, is to make sure that you have the right people. Uh, now, when I say the right people, it doesn't necessarily mean the people that have the, the greatest education or even the greatest skill set, because if someone is not motivated or someone is not focused in applying those talents, they can have the greatest level of talent in the world, but yet their, their ability to execute and the results that they're going to, to accomplish as a result of that execution may be, may be minimized or muted uh, because they're not sufficiently motivated, or in many cases, they don't necessarily understand what the objectives are. So I think first and foremost, you have to make sure that you have the right people. Number two, you have to make sure that they're that they're motivated to perform and, and part of that could be uh, an extrinsic an, an extrinsic motivation such as salary or bonuses but in many cases it's an intrinsic motivation that people feel that they're respected that, that, that they're valued and that, that, that their um, efforts uh, are, are important and, and really are respected but also can have an impact on the organization and the only way you can do that is to make sure that people are absolutely clear about what it is you're trying to accomplish in business and absolutely clear about how that affects them not only on, on a professional basis, but also on a human level. Now, the next thing, J.D., and I think this is vitally important, is to make sure that you have a really, really clear vision uh, and a really, really clear purpose, and you have very, very clear, clearly defined values of how you're going to uh, approach the organization, how you're going to approach people, how you're going to approach uh, your place in the marketplace. And if you understand that the values in many cases are the things that kind of guide the decisions and guide the actions that you take on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis, you know, people really understand not only what's expected of them, but also how um, their their values also are going to be um, respected in the organization. And if you don't have those types of things, I think it's very, very difficult to lead people, and it's very, very easy to get off course. Wow, that's great. You know, um, you kind of segued into my next question, and that is, you know, a lot of people will go to seminars, a lot of, uh, you know, um, CEOs and, and business leaders go into seminars and they find out that they're told that they need a vision, a clear vision and mission statement and they sit down and they write them up and they're really happy with them. They go back to the office and they paste them up on the wall and they have a meeting and show everybody what the, you know, have everybody pretty much memorize the new mission and, you know, uh, um, you know, goal statement and everything. And, uh, which is great, but how do you make sure that the company really is, you know, in, in integrity and living up to those? Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, JW, I think, you know, first, uh, you know, people have to understand that inspiration isn't the same as execution. I mean, you know, we all can go to a seminar, we can get all excited about the things that we learn, but if we don't apply those things, and especially apply those things on a consistent basis, we're not going to get the results over time that we really want, and, and in fact, we really deserve. Um, but along with that, you know, I think, you know, vision and mission are really only part of the, part of the equation. Certainly, if you have a mission and you understand the reason why you're in business, you know, that's vitally important. Having a vision of where you want to go uh, is extremely vital for an organization to um, make sure that they have a, a clear course of where they're going to go and so that they can measure what they want to do. But I think things, you know, the, the thing that most people miss, and it's a thing that I mentioned a, a short while ago, uh, is really having the guiding principles or the value um, the clearly defined values that say, look, this is how we're going to approach our mission. This is how we're going to accomplish our vision. And this is how people are going to be uh, expected to interact uh, in the business. And, and it could be something as, as simple as, you know, we're, we're going to treat each other with, with candid respect. And that means if we have a challenge, we're going to approach uh, that person and we're going to approach the CEO or the business owner or we're going to approach um, uh, a client in such a way that we not only understand what we value, but we also understand what it is that we stand for. And I think if, if we can align our vision and our mission uh, and our values on a professional basis, if we can align those things with the, the things that are important to us as people, uh, not only does it make it easier for us to accomplish things, it also makes it easier for people to buy in or not buy in. You know, J.W., if, if I could just share a, a quick story with you, and, and it's right out of the book, um, you know, and it's it's a, I think probably the best reflection or the best representation that I can give you of of uh, what that means. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, and it goes back quite some time. I was doing a turnaround with a company, and uh, and it was a particularly desperate situation. I mean, literally, the business uh, had about 45 days of of, um, <laughs> of viability, and if we didn't make some pretty dramatic changes, the company wasn't going to be around. And one of the things that I did from the very very beginning when I became the CEO of the company. Uh, that I brought everybody into the room, and I pretty much laid it out, you know, that if we didn't make some drastic changes and if we didn't enhance our performance pretty quickly, uh, we were all going to be out of a job. Um, so I laid out some expectations for people in terms of what it was going to mean that if, if they were going to stay with the organization, if the organization was going to survive, these were things that had to be done. And now when I called the, the senior management team together, part of what it, what it meant was is that we were all going to have to take a reduction in pay. In fact, as the CEO of the company, I wasn't taking a paycheck at the very, very beginning. I was accruing that over time, so I wasn't doing it for free. But at the same time, the company really couldn't afford to pay me, um, you know, what they normally would. And part of what, you know, part of what I shared with people is that, you know, as, as a team member, as a, as a member of the leadership team, you know, we really had to stand up and kind of raise our hand and say, you know, are we willing to do whatever it takes within the bounds of ethics and legalities and those types of things? And I shared with people, I said, look, if, if it's not something that works for you, I certainly understand. Uh, if you need to leave or you want to leave, you know, by all means, you know, you know, certainly uh, you have to do that for your family. And, and uh, you know, I'll do whatever I can to help ease the transition for you, given what we were working with. But at the same time, if people were going to stay there, you know, we really needed everyone to step up. And, and it meant um, a higher level of, of energy and, and enthusiasm, even though it was a desperate situation, they really had to be applied to the business on a not only on a daily basis, but pretty much on an hourly basis. And for some people, if they weren't able to do that, you know, it was really understood. But at the same time, you know, you know the people needed to know that their, their contribution was respected, their value um, was going, going to be recognized in the business over time, but also that, that if it meant that we all had to work 15 hours a day, we were going to work 15 hours a day. If it meant that we were going to have to do something new and different and unique uh, in terms of our roles and responsibility, if that meant uh, the difference between being successful and not successful, we, we were going to do that. So I think you know, laying out not only what, what's expected, but also how we were going to interact with each other and how we were going to interact 
um, with our with our clients and with the employees that were in the organization um, was 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 probably essential and probably one of the biggest elements of really making that business successful over time. Yeah, you know, it's <clears throat> the employees really do want to know what the expectation is. They don't want to be in the dark and uh, you know and not know exactly what's expected of them. I mean, that's very important. But I, I wanted to back up a little bit because you keep talking about the values statement or the values. And I think that it's very important not only to have a mission and vision statement, but to have a value statement <clears throat> so that whenever you do something, you're, you're, you, de- you decide on a course or, or, some, or a project or a plan, that you can take it against the vision statement and, and it makes sense. That, you know, it helps you decide whether that goal or project or, 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 or path that you're going to go makes sense to what you're doing. Is that correct? Yeah, J.W., you know, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, people in an organization um, deserve to know uh, the reality of the situation, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but, but along with that, you know, I think the vision uh, is the thing that kind of guides you to make sure that the actions that you're taking and, and uh, the investments that you're making in terms of resources and energy and those types of things are, are getting you um, in the destination that you want. You know, I think, I think uh, Stephen Covey had, had a great uh, way of uh, summing this up, and, and that is, you know, that if you have your ladder leaning against the wrong wall, every step you take takes you further and further off course. And I think the vision is the thing that allows you to determine what that course is and to make sure that the steps that you're taking are the things that are going to create the results that you want. Well said. That's super. So tell me, you know, the, if somebody were to pick up the uh – the 10-day turnaround, how to transform your business virtually overnight, what are some of the takeaways they're going to get from that? Um, well, it, you know, some of the things, you know, we've covered, J.W., but I think the, the biggest thing that, that people uh, will take away from the book is that taking a concentrated uh, period of time and really examining not only the assumptions but also examining the results that we've gotten over time uh, is, is something that, you know, as business owners and, and CEOs and, you know, in many cases people just starting out, you know, we kind of take those things for granted. We think that, um, you know, that the assumptions that we that we made when we got into business are going to be the things that will guide us, you know, forever and ever and ever. And I think if you look at the reason why a lot of people get into business, JW, is because, you know, they're professionally trained. They're, they're, they're a doctor, they're a dentist or, or whatever. Um, they're, they're, they're someone who got into a business because they're passionate about it. You know, they had a hobby that, that went from an avocation to a vocation. Uh, in some cases, it's, um, you know, it's a business that they inherited, uh, that they worked in as a, as a family member or, or a colleague from the very, very beginning. Or in some cases, they just got fed up with their boss and they decided to become a competitor. Now, those things are all great reasons to get into business, but they may or may not be the best reasons to stay in business over time. You know, for instance, if I got into business to be a competitor with, with, uh, with my boss, um, maybe the things that they were doing from a business standpoint are that aren't necessarily the things that I should be doing as a business owner. Uh, if I'm professionally um, trained to be a, a dentist or a doctor, you know, maybe the skill sets, you know, maybe the skill sets that I have uh, in terms of my professional practice, um, you know, may not necessarily be the things that are most needed in an organization. Maybe as a as a dentist or a doctor, I need to be better at marketing. I need to be better at management. I need to be better at understanding the financial aspects of my business. Now, in some cases, it may be better for me to learn it. In some cases, it may be better for me to engage it or hire it. And, and if I understand those things as a business owner and it allows me to challenge the assumptions that I made coming in, it also allows me to not only recognize where I am, but also allows me to recognize where I want to go. Yeah, and Spike, um, if, you're, if you're a businessman, you're listening to this right now, um, can you tell me, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, businessmen who are in denial about where they're at and about how they're doing. Uh, how does, it, how does a, a, a businessman know that 
it's time to make changes or there changes need to be made. Does that make sense? Sure. You know, I think one of the, one of the great opportunities and, and maybe one of the great challenges that we face as business owners is that it's very easy uh, to delude ourselves that we're doing the right things. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, reality speaks if, if we're willing to listen to it. And I think one of the ways that we, that we uh, get to understand that reality is that, we, you know, we look at the financial aspects of our business. So is it performing to the level that we expect and that we desire and that we deserve? That's number one. Number two, um, you know, are there people around us that we can trust that will call BS on us? You know, I think as, as human beings, we all have a tendency sometimes to rationalize because we want things to be positive and we want things to be better than, than, than perhaps they are. Um, but, but having the ability to engage someone else, whether it's someone inside the organization or someone outside the organization, to really challenge our reality and to make sure that we're, that we're facing reality, I think, is, is, is vital for businesses to be successful over time. Now, you know, in, in many cases, that's because we have a team of trusted advisors, could be board members, board of advisors, could be colleagues. But also, I think, in many cases, it's people inside the organization. You know, and I think as a business owner, as a business leader, we need to make sure that we're creating an environment where people feel um, – not only empowered, but also feel um, almost obligated to make sure that they're telling us uh, how they see the business. Now, we may not always agree, but at the same time, people have to be able to share what their reality is so that we can face it as a business owner to make sure that it's not just our perspective that is guiding the business, but really objective perspectives or other perspectives inside and outside the organization to help us succeed. That's great. And it's called 10-day business turnaround. Now, I, I know that you probably can't turn around every business in 10 days, but what is, what is the expectation there? Well, you know, know, JW, you know, it's it's um, it's one of those things that we may not be able to make a a complete transformation overnight, but we can make a transformation in our thinking, in our perspective, and and the way that we get started in things. And it doesn't matter if you're looking to to transform a business uh, over a period of 24 months. You know, perhaps we want to get into a different market, a different model, or different products or services. But the only way we can get there over time is if we get started. And the 10-day turnaround really is about you know taking a period of 10 days to assess where you are in business to perhaps lay out uh, new strategies to get from where you are to where you want to be, um, but also to start implementing the steps uh, on a daily and weekly basis that are going to allow that strategy to come to fruition. And then finally, making sure that we have systems to measure our progress so that not only can we get back on course, we can stay on course. And, and the whole book was, is really designed to take you through those four aspects and to allow you to get started on a journey that will really create a transformation in the business, not just for today, but over the long haul. That's great, and the you know the the book is uh, you know full of you, which means uh, no nonsense looking <laughs> looking at the business uh, from from reality, which you've kind of talked about um, during this interview. So uh, you know it's a great book. You need to go out and check it out. The ten day turnaround: How to Transform Your Business Virtually Overnight. And I'm guessing you can get that on Amazon, or um, where else can they get it? Can they go to your site and get it there? Yeah, absolutely, JW. I mean, they can get it on Amazon, but if they go directly to my website, there's a link there that not only gives them an opportunity to purchase the book, but also gives them a, a special bonus uh, of a program I did uh, a short time back. Uh, there was an audio program that took people not only through the steps in the book, but also took them through some additional um, aspects of, of, of turning their business and, and, and turning really their life around. Um, so that's uh, part of, the, of something that people can accomplish if they go directly to my website. Uh, but also there's another site out there called the 10daytunaroundbook.com, and it's the number 10, not the, not the word 10, now, that will give them the same bonus and the same opportunity to uh, engage in all the bonuses and materials and, and all the things that come with the book. Okay, so that's the 10-day uh, turnaround. That's the number 10, the 10daytunaroundbook.com. And also, is it mm-hmm. like humor.com, H-U-M-E-R? Yep, absolutely. Wonderful. 
Let's let's talk for a second about the uh, millionaires and billionaires secrets revealed. What secrets? We want to know the secrets. Well, one of the things that uh, that Darren and I did is that we we looked at a lot of people that were successful in a variety of areas. Um, You know, it could be politics, could be on a financial basis, could be on an entertainment basis, and really recognized what it was that made them successful so that people could draw lessons uh, from the experiences and from the successes and maybe some of the missteps that successful people made over time. And the bottom line is, unless you inherited uh, you know, some kind of a fortune, most people have created a fortune over time. And uh, they didn't become millionaires overnight. They didn't become billionaires overnight. They became very, very successful not only financially, but also um, you know, on a personal level over time. And uh, we profiled some of the things that, that allowed people to do that. And you know, if, you, if you look at that book, in many cases it aligns um, right along with the 10-day turnaround. And that is people got very, very clear about what it was that their mission was, what it was that their vision was, but also very, very clear about the values that they were going to use as the guiding principles to attain, obtain success over time. That's great. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> it just reminded me, you used to work with Jay Abraham quite a lot. You used to speak with him quite often. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember talking to Jay, and, you know, he asked me, what are you doing? And I'm one of those guys that, you know, when I sit at somebody's desk and I see all the plaques behind them of all the wonderful things they've done in their life and, and you know, what they've accomplished, I get you know, I get envious, and I want to. <clears throat> I want. I want that. I want to have a bunch of plaques behind my desk showing my great accomplishments, and you know, I always thought that was cool. And so I, when I told him, he got you know what I was doing, and that is throwing essentially a bunch of crap up on the wall and to see what stuck. He grimaced <laughs> <laughs> and and said, you know, J.W. The the way people do all those things is not all at the same time. <laughs> okay, you know, you really got to pick something and stick with it. Do you do you you go with that also? Yeah, I, I really do. You know, I think, um, you know, especially in, today, you know, in today's environment, it's very easy to get distracted, uh, not just by information, but also by opportunity. I mean, there's virtually uh, limitless opportunities for us. Um, you know, information is easily engaged. Uh, the market, in many cases, is easily reached. But if we're not really, really clear about where we're spending our time and our energy, um, it's very easy to get off course. You know, I think a lot of people have things like to-do lists. They know what they want to do on a daily basis. But at the same time, I think one of the things that's probably more or is equally important, if not more important, is to have the to-don't list. What are the things that I'm not going to do um, that allow me to make sure that I have time and, and focus to do the things that are going to have the biggest impact on my life and the biggest impact on my business? Now, in some cases, it may be, you know, habits that we have that we've kind of fallen into that, you know, we want to wipe away. But in a lot of cases, it really means, you know, what are we not going to do in our business, uh, not only on a strategic level, but also on a tactical action level. Now, maybe there's things that we eliminate, but there also may be things that we delegate, that we allow other people to do that are necessary so that we can focus on the things that are going to give us the greatest level of impact. But I think, you know, it really comes down to the same thing, J.W., and that is if we're very, very clear about what it is that we're trying to do in our life and what it is that we're trying to do in our business, it makes it a lot easier to make decisions about what we're not going to do and what things we're not going to pursue. Does that uh, kind of follow the whole plan of, uh, you know, running your business as if you're going to sell it? In other words, making sure that you're not doing everything when you talk about delegation so that, you know, uh, the business can run without you as well as it runs with you? Yeah, J.W., I mean, I think if if you don't do that as a business owner, essentially what you're doing is that you're creating a job that you can't quit. Right. And, uh, you know, if you build it like you're going to sell it, it allows you to have the systems and the processes in place that if you want to take a vacation or, heaven forbid, you break a leg and you can't come to work for a period of time, that the business can operate without you. And, and if you create a business where that doesn't happen, uh, you almost become a slave um, to what it is that you created. And, and that's one of the quickest, easiest ways to lose our focus and lose our motivation and lose our inspiration um, to do the things that are necessary to make the business successful. 
Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's probably one of the number one small business issues is uh, being able to walk away. Most people, most small businesses, they can't. <laughs> well, you know, it is. I mean, in some cases, it's because you know we fear you know we fear uncertainty, and uh, as a business owner, if we feel that we have more control. Um, you know, it means that we have more certainty and we have more security, but it doesn't necessarily mean we have more success. And I think, you know, if, if we recognize that just because we can do something doesn't necessarily mean we should be the one that's doing it. But also, I think, you know, especially with small business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, we all have egos, and sometimes we think that we're so much better than anybody else um, that we just we just have to do everything ourselves. And, and that's in most cases, that's certainly not the case. Uh, we may be better at some things, but we're not better at everything. And on top of that, I mean, if you can have three people that are operating at a level that's 90% as well as you could do it yourself, uh, you're still a heck of a lot further ahead than if you're doing you know, 100% of the time on your own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, listen, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about um, books. I have a lot of authors that, uh, you know, they like to listen to my interviews because I like to ask authors like yourself the question about being a writer, uh, publishing books, etc., you know, what it takes. And your book, The 10-Day Business Turnaround, I know was an Amazon bestseller, uh, so you probably know a little bit uh, about this subject. Um, did you find out that the writing, the publishing, or the marketing is the hardest part of, uh, of the whole book process? Well, you know, I would say I would say the marketing day, Debbie, and, and it's not to take away uh, from any of the other things. But, you know, you can find publishers anywhere. Um, you know, there's lots and lots of them around. In fact, you can publish on Amazon um, yourself. And, you know, and there's other platforms out there where you can create books and, and, and publish them, you know, without a lot of the, the, uh, the hard work that you had to go through before in terms of finding someone who would get behind your book. Uh, and right. even the writing in many cases, I mean, you could do something as simple as uh, interviewing a number of people that you feel are experts on a particular topic, and you can call that and you can, and you can edit that into a, into a reasonably readable and reasonably valuable book. Um, so those those aspects, while they can be difficult, certainly aren't the most um, yeah, challenging. I think I think the marketing aspect is is, is the thing that most people um, really get they really stumble on. And uh, the bottom line is, you can have the best book in the world, but if people can't see it or they can't touch it or they can't read it, they're never going to get value out of it, and you're never going to get that book out to uh, the people that are going to value it most. Yeah, and so yeah, that makes sense. Um, so marketing wise, uh, let's let's touch on that a second. Um, do you find that it's better to, and this is probably one of those, it depends on your situation uh, answers, but uh, is it better for you to market on your own, to hire somebody to market it for you, or a combination of both? What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I think it really is a combination of both. Um, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're skilled enough and if you're experienced enough that you can do a lot of the marketing on your own, that's great because um, you have the ability to, um, you know, to get behind the book probably more than, than, than someone else would. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we only have so much time, and in, in many cases we only have um, so much uh, expertise. Um, so, you know, in, in some cases it does make sense to go out and engage someone else. But I think it really comes down to whether you're marketing yourself or you're marketing it um, or you're having it marketed by someone else is that you really have to understand who your audience is, but also you have to understand who you have relationships with. Who is it that has access or has the ability to influence the market that you're trying to reach? And if you can get that person um, to align themselves, uh, either on a formal basis or an informal basis, with helping you accomplish getting that book into the right hands, I think that's probably the easiest way. Now, the, the, the great opportunity and the great obstacle there is to make sure that those people that you're trying to reach or the people that you're trying to engage um, can feel incentivized and motivated and, and and rewarded uh, for making sure that they're that they're helping you accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish. Right, and and in you and you, let me say this: <laughs> I, 
easy for me to say. Uh, did you? I know you're a very connected person. You're very well connected. Uh, did you, was it your connections that got you to the uh, top uh, one of the top sellers on Amazon, or did you also use uh, formal uh, marketing? No, it really, really was um, a combination of things. It was uh, aligning myself with some key influencers, um, but also uh, being able to um, you know really identify uh, the people that were going to have the uh, the greatest need and, and probably uh, benefit the most. Um, you know, by the product and by the book. And I think if, if you can do that, um, not only does, does word of mouth, you know, help, um, but at the same time, you know, the, the people that um, are being reached um, through partners, uh, through friends, through colleagues, um, those people are going to be um, more predisposed uh, to re- really receiving the value out of it. So, you know, I think, I think you can go out and you can engage people on a formal basis, and in some cases they may have uh, gr- greater skill sets than you. But if, but if you if you take it back to the relationships that you have on a personal level and on a professional level, those are the people I think in most cases um, are going to be most inclined to support you because you've you've supported them in the past or you're supporting them on an ongoing basis. Wow, that's super. That's good. That's good info. Spike, we've been uh, friends for a while. I really you know and uh, so and it, but it's still hard to get you because you're you're always running somewhere or going some doing something. <laughs> you're a very busy guy, and I know you like to. You know, take any time that you have that you're not running around and spend it with your wonderful family. So I really appreciate your time today. Um, is there a closing uh, thought that you can give us? Well, um, you know, I guess, J.W., it really comes down to this. You know, that, that as a business owner, you know, we have to recognize first and foremost we're people. And sometimes I think a lot of times as a business owner, we, se- we try to separate the two. We say, well, this is my business and this is my life. But the people that I found that are most successful over the time, over time are the people that really recognize that their business is an extension of who they are. And it's, uh, it's really uh, more of a voice and, and more of a vehicle and more of a means for them to become more of who they are as a person as opposed to becoming um, just more of who they are as a business owner. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it really does come down to that. It, listen, um, again, I really appreciate your time, Spike. Uh, that's uh, Spike Humor, H-U-M-E-R. Uh, Spike is S-P-I-K-E, H-U-M-E-R.com. And also the 10-Day uh, Business Turnaround. That's the number 10, 10-Day Business Turnaround Book.com uh, to check out the book. And the special, you got a special offer CD there, right? Uh, actually, it's uh, some digital downloads, and it's a 10-day turnaround book.com. Okay. Uh, the, the oh, business, sorry about the business that. Is, yeah, sir, no worries. <laughs> anyway, again, Spike, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This is J.W. Nigerian speaking to Spike Humor uh, on, uh, on Purpose Magazine. Thank you very much, Spike. Thanks, J.W. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for listening to our Made Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.